Welcome to the Pixelated Perfect Podcast. Hey, Laura. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, This is Pixelated Perfect. And what I'm really excited to introduce our listeners to is Laura, who is an amazingly talented UI UX designer. Um, I know her because she actually worked for the design project about a year ago, maybe longer. Time is weird. Um, but yeah, so she, and from the design project, she, um, moved up and on and she is currently a lead UX UI designer at Salesforce. Um, so super awesome, super excited to dive more into kind of where she got started and kind of where she is today and what's in store for the future. So thank you so much for being here, Laura. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. And it's it's fun to catch up and see what the design project is doing. And I love following you guys. So uh, thanks for having me. Yes, of course. Very exciting. Um, so usually what I would like to start off with is just kind of hearing your story. Like, how did you get into design? Um, what were those like big steps in your career that has really gotten you to where you are today? And maybe some failures, um, things that didn't work out as you expected and that got you here today. Yeah, so I have um, a pretty unusual, I mean, I I feel like all designers have kind of like a a swervy path to get to where they are, but mine is particularly uh, swervy or curvy. Um, I actually graduated um, from the University of Washington with a degree in education, and I decided that I wanted to live abroad. I wanted to leave the United States, Um, so I did. I moved to Israel. And when I was there, I decided to open up my own business. Um, My degree was in education. I loved working with kids. I saw that there was kind of a need for English speaking schools over there. And I just, you know, at 23, I was like, yeah, I'm going to open a preschool. That's totally a normal thing to do in a different country. So I did. And one of the things that I did while I, you know, was starting this business was I built my own website and I ended up building kind of like a a place for parents to log in and to see what was going on with their kids. And I really enjoyed this very specific part of owning a business. And from that, I started reaching out to a lot of my other friends who had small businesses or startups or were in also the education space to be like, hey, what um, websites do you need built? What products are you looking to start? How can I reach out and, and just find opportunities to kind of try design? And from there, I ended up getting, I started to get paid for that work, which was exciting. Um, so, so freelancing um, was, you know, what I started to do um, after some time. So kind of removed myself from the education business, started freelancing, doing some things kind of marketing design, a few things in uh, writing as well, just kind of exercising a lot of different things that I could do that I knew would lead me into the path of a design career. Um, And then kind of moved back to the United States in 2020 when it was COVID. And that wasn't really like a a decision. That was more like a decision that was made for me. It was time to, time, time to, stopped traveling in, in 2020 and realized that it was, uh, you know, maybe also time to start getting some more full-time uh, regular types of roles. 
I know, and now I'm mixing up my timeline, but at some point I started at the design project and that was actually one of my more, um, you know, one of my, one of my more regular types of UX design positions. Um, and I loved working with design project because I got to work on different products and projects and, um, you know, uh, so it's, I mean, I don't know if the listeners know, but it's a, you know, a, a design agency and we work, you guys work with startups. So that was really fun. And I got to try a lot of new things and it was also fun not to be in the seat where I had to find, um, you know, projects and work like that was, that was great working in a design agency. And it gave me a lot of, um, you know, opportunities to just get, have, have new experiences and try new design solutions and work with different people. Um, after that, I did decide that I wanted to look for working for one single company. I was kind of like, all right, I'm ready to commit <laughs> to one product in one company. I started interviewing around and I really connected with, um, just a people in a job that was at uh, Tableau, which turned into Salesforce um, and got a, a lead UX UI design role there. And I've been there for about a year and a half and things are always changing, um, which is crazy because you'd think that in a big company, it wouldn't be, there wouldn't be as much change like there is in startups, but there is. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's where, that's, that's how I got to where I am. And um it's been it's been a fun ride. I, I love I love the the industry and I love the work. That's awesome. Yeah, I this definitely refreshed my memory of kind of like your background and like it's it's fascinating and everyone does have an interesting story, but I think yours is especially interesting because you kind of start you you had your own thing, you started your own company. I wanna I wanna kind of dissect that further because I think that's so fascinating. Can you like what was it about starting your own preschool that, what was it to, why did you decide to start your own preschool? Yeah. So I went, so I went to Israel and I was like, you know, I'm going to try to work in education. I'm going to, um, you know, just try to find a job. And I really didn't like, I didn't see any school that I fit in with, um, but I it had the same kind of philosophy that I agreed with, um, the same um, kind of curriculum that I would side with, which is a little bit more um, child-led and kind of, uh, it's just less like strict, I would say, or less prescribed. Um, So I kind of saw that. And then, you know, just really from talking to a lot of people in the community, in the English-speaking community with families, there definitely was a lack of English-speaking schools. And, you know, maybe this was me being kind of young and thinking what could go wrong, but I was like, no problem. I'll just make my own. And, and then starting small, and I think this can apply to pretty much any business, but I started really small. I just had, I started with a few, a few kids in like a home-based school and then was able to, you know, get word of mouth out and, um, really grow. And then I rented like a commercial space and then expanded into multiple spaces. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was the reason why. And it, and it actually worked out. I I was really, it's funny to think about, but I was actually really well known, like in our small, uh, preschool English speaking community of, of Tel Aviv for, you know, like everyone really loved my school and they also agreed with the kind of philosophy that I had with the school. And uh, it was actually really successful. But there was a time when I kind of looked around and realized that I 
didn't want to be so location dependent and having a business that is location dependent. So a school or, you know, anything where you're like renting a property or hiring people that have to go in every day, you just don't have as much flexibility um, physically. You know, I still had the flexibility to work when I wanted and to take time off. And that was wonderful. But I, my mind was always on the school, no matter what I was doing. And I wanted something that was more flexible, which led me to start, you know, continuing to think about a design role. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think that's interesting, that last point that you said, and um, like at the design project, we are fully remote and I know that I love travel. I know that you absolutely love travel. And so I think that is kind of like a a big selling point for this industry is you can do it from anywhere, everywhere and be successful at it. Um, So I I completely relate to that piece of it. not, not as starting a preschool because that's very unique and super fascinating. Um, is there anything that you can take away from running your own business or specifically in the preschool space that you kind of use today in design? It's a really interesting question. There was, there definitely was a lot of so one thing that we learned a lot about in like education was cultural competencies. Um, So because you're a teacher and you have to work with, you know, 30 or however, whatever the number is students, you know, they're not all going to be the same person or family or background. So we actually had to learn a lot about um, being culturally competent and accepting and really kind of making new ways of whether it was teaching or just child rearing is not a great word, but, you know, just child, just care, caretaking um, to, for a number of different backgrounds and styles of learners. And um, that is something that I found a lot of, um, how do you say, like the, uh, similarities with building products, because it's the same idea where you're building a product for anyone, like anyone can, depending on the product, if there's, you know, you can have one that's more focused towards a specific type of user, but more often than not, you need to be ready to make something that's going to work for people of all backgrounds and all, you know, thought processes and styles of learning. Or um, And so that, that was one thing that I thought really connected. Yeah, that's fascinating, especially now that like accessibility and design is such a trendy thing. It's like, building for everyone, building for uh, an older person or a child or someone that's colorblind, um, so many different factors. So that is really interesting. And I'm sure a lot of those things that you learned, you could kind of take away and kind of bring it into to product design. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, I love that connection. Yeah. And one thing I did forget to, I actually realized I forgot to mention two important things in my intro, but one thing that's related to this is, I did kind of think about, I was thinking about what are the kinds of companies that might value my previous experience in education. So I really did start looking for whether it was some contract freelance positions or full-time. I was trying to look for ed tech companies because I thought they would, and they did, they valued, you know, my background in education or, you know, other small things like even my own interests. I, you know, I'm really into scuba diving. So I think for a little bit, I was like, maybe I can try to apply for places that are, you know, ocean friendly or something like that. So I was really trying to kind of use my non, you know, 
originally non-design background to my advantage and find where I could really resonate with companies that shared my same interests and values. Yeah, I totally, I think a lot of like junior designers out there, that's a great point is like find something that you're passionate about and make that connection. Because I think, especially starting out, if in design, like you being passionate, you actually using the product will give you a one up on being able to kind of put yourself in those users shoes. So I think that's a really great place to like start. And then as you learn those techniques and skills, you can take on projects that maybe are a little outside of your, your comfort zone or your passion. Um, but I think that's really great advice. And yeah, I think that's, that's, yeah, that's great. I want to talk about, so one thing you mentioned in kind of like that aha moment of design was when you were working on um, your business website. So what was that like? What it was like, did you build it from scratch? Did you learn code? Did you use something like Squarespace? What What did you do there? Yeah, so I use I used Wix actually. That's that's what I used. Um, also, I was in Israel, and like everyone in Israel loves Wix, so <laughs> I was using Wix, and I started really simply. Like you know, like I mean, with Wix, you can and now they have crazy things, but you know, this was like eight or ten years ago, and it was kind of like, you know, but it was still drag and drop. Like you could just, you know, drag your squares and fix your links and stuff like that. And then I was able to get, I kind of dug into it and you can do like a developer um, mode. And so you can actually go in and edit things with code. So as I got more comfortable with it, the the first part of it, I was like, I just want to like show people that I exist and here's what I offer. And that's, I just put it up, but it was fun to, you know, do the colors and, fonts and everything and and upload pictures. And then as I got more into it, I was like, wait, let me see what more functionality I can use. What else can I, you know, how else can I use this website to actually um, uh, be a part of my business instead of just kind of being a front page for my business? Yeah. I, you know, I think a lot of um, designers or even developers, they kind of get their start where they just like tinker with, with a platform that's easy to use. And I actually was having this conversation the other day about like these plug and play platforms and is it making, is it going to take over like the designer's jobs? And I was like, no, like I love these platforms. I think they're amazing. I think it's a great way for everyone to be able to like have access to be able to design their own websites, to be able to design their own social media. Like I think that it's not replacing design, especially product design, which is a lot of thought and other things besides just making something pretty, I guess. But um, I really enjoyed that conversation. What do you think about about kind of using those those platforms and those plug and play? Yeah, I so I I really like them a lot for for the same reason that you're empowering small businesses to be able to create their own kind of websites and in some cases people to start you know a new side hustle or you know I think that's really really cool and then the other the other ones that are really cool now is things like Canva or I know Adobe Express just came out so it's kind of the same thing where you know you don't have to spend either you don't have to hire someone or or spend a million years learning Adobe or figuring it out you can you know just kind of put these cool things together and all of a sudden you have a brochure or a business card or you know, a website. And I think, I think it's empowering. I think it's very, very cool. And there's all, there's always going to be a need for product designers and marketing designers, because there are 
so many things that can't be done with those sites, especially more complicated things. There's always going to be a need for that. But for small businesses, I think it's great. Yeah. And yeah, just to kind of jump on top of that is I also think by having designers build you templates or building things that these small companies can kind of take it and run with it, like using designers to help build that first stage is also a really great way to to empower those small companies. Um, Yeah, totally agree. I love that. Um, So let's jump into freelancing. So you basically went from running your own company, preschool, kind of doing some websites here and there, getting your foot in the door, and then you, you made this big pivot to freelancing. Um, what was that experience for you? Um, so the experience, the, okay. So I, what I will say, and, and this is also a, a funny story that I sometimes forget about, but sometimes, sometimes, you know, it's kind of like, oh, how did you start? What did you do? So I um, actually met my first, like, I, it wasn't a full-time position. It was about like five, like 0.5 or 0.75. Um I met the owner of this business just out of Starbucks when I was traveling. So I had like my backpacking backpack. I was kind of working on my computer at that point. I was doing some UX writing, um, just kind of, you, you can, some companies will let you just kind of write a few lines for a small amount of money and you can just kind of churn out things. So I was doing something like that. I was on my computer and this very, very friendly um, guy was just like, what are you working on? Why do you have a backpack? Like, tell me your story. And I told him and he was like, you know, we could really use someone like you with those kind of web design skills and marketing design skills. And they were looking for someone that could do multiple things. Um, this was for not, not a tech company. This was an ingredients uh, based company um, or ingredient sourcing company. And so that's something that um, that's kind of actually how I got one of my biggest and first clients was just basically being out. And, you know, especially now that COVID is over, people can go out again (laughs) to cafes and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, and I feel like I've heard this so many times and, but it really is true. Like just be open and be friendly and be meeting people because I could have just kind of shrugged him off and been like, you know, I'm busy, like, have a nice day, but, you know, just being open to hearing what other people's businesses are, what they're working on, what side hustles they have, you can really open yourself up to a lot of opportunities. So that was, that was kind of like the transition. Um, and, and what it was like was honestly really awesome. I, I loved like the opportunity to travel and to, you know, be kind of working on my own and on my own time. And I actually, didn't have too much of a struggle trying to find new clients because I was finding ones that were like that one, which was really like a 0.5 or a 0.75. Finding about three, like two to four main clients is what I would recommend versus finding many kind of small projects. It's just a lot more work. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a great story. Um, I think that's a lot about like just yeah, being open, traveling, um, and, and the power of networking and networking doesn't have to be, you go to this like stuffy event. It could be like anywhere and everywhere. And you never know when you're going to get that next opportunity. I love that. That's, that's fascinating. Um, and I also think it's important what you said about getting like those, a few customers that are going to sustain you. And I think there's a couple of things I think it's like, yeah, don't take on tiny, tiny projects 
unless maybe you're just starting out and you want to get that experience. Um, but also you don't have to necessarily take on that full-time gig as like a somewhat junior designer is like a lot of these startups, a lot of these opportunities are coming from people that need design help um, that don't need that full-time, can't offer benefits, but have really interesting products that you can work on um, and you can kind of dive in and help them and make your own schedule and be more flexible and travel. Yeah, it's so true. There are there are so many smaller companies that are looking for, like you said, design help. And it's not that crazy to be able to piece together, you know, one or two and make kind of a full-time salary off of a couple of part-time roles. Right. Yeah. I want, I'm curious to talk about the UX writing that you did, because I think that's interesting in terms of like, how did you decide going from UX writing to like design? So I had always wanted to do design. Um, UX writing was really just something that I did because it was flexible and easy to kind of grab a um, few, you know, I basically was able to kind of log into this system, put my name on a couple of projects, pull them out, finish them whenever I wanted to, as long as it was by the end of the month and then send them back. So it really was just, just kind of like what we were saying, just collecting, you know, some clients to fill out your time. That was one of those for me. And it wasn't a direction that I saw myself going in. I really quite more enjoyed the design side, but I can definitely see this happening to someone else where they would be like, Hey, the writing is where, where it's at for me. Like I want to find more roles that, um, you know, align with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I think UX writing is definitely a skill set, And I definitely think that there is more of a need than ever for, for UX writers. So, um, yeah, I was just curious where that transition happened. Um, okay. So where we left off is you had some freelance clients, you were traveling, um, living your best life and COVID hit. Yes. COVID hit. Um, I, I actually, this is a big thing I forgot to mention in my first little explanation is I did decide at this point to go back to school and get a master's degree. I, I very important thing. That is I a huge, that. I thought you went back to school too. And I, I was like, did. Oh no. Okay. I just, oh yeah. Me just getting all the jobs, doing all the things. No, I, I did go back to school. Um, because there was a point in kind of like my freelancing, I was really enjoying it, but I really did feel like for me, I needed um, a degree to be able to get to that next level and pursue things that were a little bit more. I, I don't know. I just, I, I felt like for me, it was needed because my first degree was in education, which is just so far from um, design. I think that there's multiple degrees where you can have your bachelor's that's not in design and, you know, carry on, but education is just so different. And so um, I did decide that I wanted to go back to school. I found a program that was uh, fully online, really flexible, easy to do while I was traveling and I was able to complete it within um, a year. The thing about that was that I was also able to then kind of plug that into my, my time schedule. You know, I was, I found, you know, a couple, like we were saying, a couple of clients, a couple of clients here, and then I was able to, you know, basically be full-time, you know, in school. Um, so that was amazing. That, that was a really great way to kind of do the 
like a prolonged transition, I would say, you know, kind of freelancing and getting a degree at the same time. It's kind of like it's a boot camp where you, you know, go into a boot camp for, for six weeks and you come out with a job. This, this was, you know, a few years of kind of this freelance and contract and studying. Um, and then, and then, yeah, I graduated during COVID. So I didn't get to have a, um, uh, what do you call it? The walk, uh, the graduation walk. Um, but my school was in Iowa anyways. And like, I, I, maybe one day I'll visit Iowa, but I guess I didn't, I, my opportunity will, will be there for me another time if I decide to. So, but I, I did joke about it, telling all my friends that I was going to make everyone fly into Iowa to, to go to my graduation ceremony, but it, it did, it didn't get to happen, but it was okay. I, I had like Lucky a, yeah, right. I, I had like Iowa. a little zoom, um, graduation, uh, party. <laughs> it was like very COVID. That's very adorable. COVID. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Early COVID. Everyone yeah. used to do part. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. The oh, zoom yeah. parties. Had it. Yeah. Cause it was May that I graduated. So that would have been like, you know, two months after COVID started. Yeah. Right. So it was early. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I want to know more about what you learned in your course. Like, did you learn it? Do you think that um, you're getting a master's and was it in you product design? What so was the, the master's, master's degree was, it, it was a master's. The, the program, I guess, was industrial engineering, but I think that's just because that's where they plugged it in. But it was in human computer interaction, which is a common um, and more like, I would say more traditional title and uh, role or degree for this type of job. That's kind of, it's something that's been around since like the eighties, you know, like it's been, it's been around for a while. Nowadays you can actually get a degree in UX design or product design and stuff like that. But I chose this one mostly because, mostly because of the flexibility and I thought it looked great, but I also really like studying and I really do like school and I like the challenge. So I did like that it was, a little bit more of a broader um, kind of context of design as a whole. Yeah, no, I think that's interesting. And yeah, I think product, they do have degrees in product design, but learning something more broad. Um, so do you feel like what, like you going to school and getting that master's really not only on paper looks great, but it also helped you in your career. You learned a lot of skills in that, those courses that you could apply to your careers after. Yeah, I definitely did. I definitely did. Um, I was able to take a couple of classes. Like I said, some were broad and some were like, you know, design ethics, which were, which was fascinating. And some were very pointed. Like I had a couple of classes where we literally built, you know, a product from start to finish. And the cool thing about it was I was working like in teams with other people who are actually already UX designers. So I got to learn a lot from them and by, and you know, already designers, some were graphic designers, but so I, I kind of gained this like community of designers that were all in the field. That was very, very, very cool. And then um, it, it also, besides looking good on paper, just gave me a lot of confidence to, you know, speak about what I've learned and to refer to school projects where I didn't feel like it was a school, like a silly school project. Like this is something that involved a lot of research and had, you know, backing by professors. And so I could actually, I felt really confident using some of those school projects in, you know, portfolios or interviews um, and just talking it up. Like I, I really, um, I, I think it 
helped me with confidence a lot. Yeah. I, I think that's great that you got to like build products with like graphic designers and product designers and had like that real world experience. And I think a lot of junior designers that go through boot camps are like, oh, I did this thing in school. Like they, they like feel bad about it. And I think you were like, yeah, like I feel like I could use those projects because I learned so much and could really take that um, to a different level. So I think that's really interesting. What, what would you say? I know that you took your course a little while ago and actually boot camps were still mm-hmm. super popular. So what would you say to a potential designer that was thinking of doing a boot camp or, or going back to school and taking a, a more education focused design class? What would you say to that? I think it's important to maybe just look at like reviews of things. Um, I think for me, boot camp was just never something I wanted to do. And it's, this sounds weird, but boot camps are actually like a little bit less flexible because you have to kind of be plugged in for, you know, however many weeks and it's really full time. And that actually didn't work. Like it actually was more flexible for me to get a full master's degree um, because I could do it, you know, kind of in the evenings and fit it into my schedule. Um, So there was that piece for me. And I really think that I did just look into what, so it was what works for me. And then I, I had read, you know, a lot of people are really happy with their boot boot camps. A lot of people are unhappy with their boot camps. Um, but I genuinely found that most people I talked to were happy that they, um, had a master's degree. Um, and I just really wanted to challenge myself. And for me, um, a boot camp seems extremely challenging. Um, but a master's degree, I think really challenges you like intellectually, um, and the connections, like I said, are, are really amazing. And, um, that, that's what I would say there. I, I wouldn't rec, I wouldn't 100% recommend one or the other, but, um, just looking at what, what fits and, and what works. And I'm sure this is something people say all the time, but like, you know, check what jobs like you're going for and see what they require. Because if you want like some kind of job and you see on their, uh, all the, um, what are they called? The job descriptions, they're saying master's degree required. Well, that's a hint of, you know, that you might need a master's degree. And that's not to say you can't apply without one. There's a lot of times when you can apply and, and get really far in the interview process without whatever's written down on the job description. Um, but it's, it's worthwhile to look and see what's required for the role that you're pursuing. Yeah. That, I think that's great advice. One thing that you said um, about your master's degree and one of the classes you took was design ethics. And you're like, that was really fascinating. What I liked about that is like, I, I feel like from my personal experience interviewing junior designers is I think there's this piece of design ethics or even just understanding design values that is sometimes missing. Um, and so I think that having a master's and being able to focus more on the education or the ethics or like the background will give you that knowledge that you need to feel confident going in and knowing some of those design skills or some of those, des- where, where design came from, <laughs> how it, it got to today. Um, I thought that was yeah, interesting. Yeah, and we also learned a lot about like the psychology of design that was like really big in the degree. And those ones, like I'm, I, I actually still use those kind of 
terms like in my work today. So, you know, I'll look at something and be like, and, and I'm able to also kind of say to my peers that my, my colleagues that might not be designers, something like, Hey, this design might not work because I can see this is going to cause, you know, cognitive overload. And, you know, and then I can just kind of quick explain what that means. Or another one I recently brought up was um, like banner blindness. That's like a, you know, a, a thing. And these are like things that we learned about in psychology. Um, so I do actually use those like very, you know, school school type uh, terms in my work um, today. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, I love that. I want to start using some of those. I should take a design psychology course. Oh, it's course. fascinating. Yeah. That would be fascinating. Yeah. I would yeah. love that. That might be some, okay. I'm going to look into this. Yeah. Thanks for the yeah. inspiration. And <laughs> ethics also like totally got me really jazzed up. Like it was fascinating. We were learning about all about, you know, like, um, AI, like this whole thing of, you know, if a, what is it like if a self-driving car, like you can program it to crash into, you know, either an, an elderly person or, you know, a child. And it's like, what do we do with that? You know, and it's just fascinating. Like, you know, like it just, and it's, it just, it super jazzes me up. Cause I'm like, let's talk about it. No one's talking about this. Like it's really important. Um, so yeah, and it's, and it's cool in a master's degree in the same way that in any degree you get to choose your classes as well. You know, there's some required, but you really get to pick like the ones that really speak to you. And that, and that's fun. I did have a couple of required coding classes, um, so they did require my degree required some like implementation courses for coding. Um, and I think they might've required a psychology one and then the rest we got to choose. That's awesome. Oh, that's yeah. I'm like inspired to go look up some design courses. Um, okay. So I keep moving forward. I could talk about this all day, but I want to get to, um, kind of after, after you got your master's, um, I don't know how far along it was, but it was probably somewhat short between that and then you coming to work at the design project, right? Yeah. Or, yes, or I think that I was doing, I, I might have been still working on the degree while I was working with you guys. Okay, okay. Awesome. I don't, I don't recall. But yeah, I, so for all the listeners, like I said, is Laura was, you were like one of our first designers and you came in super like let's do this you helped us start building our first processes and um it's been a little while since you left but we've taken some of those early processes and we've like expanded on them and you were the start of like one of our biggest selling points to our customers is hey we have internal processes and so you were there at the forefront of building that and you were also there in like the complete unknown of like how do we work with customers? How do we make this subscription model work? Um, yeah, I don't know if you have any any thoughts on some of those points. Yeah, no, that's that's right. Um, it is really fun to think back on that time. That is actually something that I really enjoy. I I, I really don't mind like being there for yeah, figuring out the right processes, especially also just looking at like design process as well. Or like, how are we going to, how are we going to actually get from start to finish? How are we going to make this a success aside from the actual, you know, screen designing? Um, I really don't mind. I think that there's, there's nothing wrong with being a designer and being like, you know, I want to, you know, come in and work on my wireframes and my um, pixel designs and everything. There's nothing wrong with that, but I really like all of it. I definitely, you know, I'm happy to be collaborating with a team, helping, um, you know, managers figure out what 
they're doing. And that's actually been, um, so this is something that I've had with my managers at Salesforce too, because I've been plugged into a couple of teams that I, that are not design teams. And so my managers, they've actually both, both managers I've had, they've never worked with uh, a UX UI designer before. And so they're kind of like, Hey, how help me manage you. And I'm like, okay, you know, this is a challenge. I got it, you know, and I kind of like reached out to other design teams and other UX designers in the company to figure out how they're doing. And um, we kind of, you know, explored that. But yeah, I have no process, no problem being part of this process of making sure that design is going to work for or the designers, (laughs) everything is going to work for the people involved. Yeah. You know, I I was talking with another designer the other day on the podcast and it was um, kind of what's that difference between being a junior, mid, senior um, manager. And something he said that really struck me was like, you, you go into like, I think the difference between like mid to senior is you're actually going in and you're forming processes and you're forming connections with people outside of the design space and you're creating that collaboration And I think that's very true. I think that definitely distinguishes like a mid to a more senior designer that has the knowledge, feels comfortable going into these unknown conversations and helping to structure. What do you think about that? Yeah, that definitely is, that that sounds right to me. I mean, I'm, you know, like my my title is lead and I certainly do work, like I said, with no other designers. It's just me. And I'm mostly working with um, like product managers. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm actually still in, you know, the education side of, Salesforce. So I'm working with, you know, curriculum leads and program managers and all kind of, yeah, really working together to figure out how the product can work. Like just once again, just aside from just what's on a wireframe or user flow is really having those conversations of how can we create this new, this new thing. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, I let's let's jump into kind of what you're doing now because I I am curious and also I think that's a great segue. So you are kind of like lead designer um, and you're working with project managers in this education piece of Salesforce, correct? Yeah. So what? So kind of in the same way that you know you there's always a way to learn a software. Um, so in this case, we're teaching people how to learn Salesforce. Um, and to become a Salesforce, you know, developer, administrator. And previously I was just focused on Tableau. So learning Tableau as a software, but now we're, now we're all, we're all together. The learning team is all, all one, um, very exciting time, very new, very exciting. Um, so we're, we're helping people get into the workforce by getting credentials and getting trainings and um, learning a software that can hopefully, you know, expand their career prospects as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's it's interesting that you've kind of come full circle. You're in education. Yeah. Um, as I a know. designer. Yeah, so that and that has been really cool to kind of continue to work um at a like with other education people. Um and we're all passionate about the same thing and um I mean that that's been amazing and that I I really do believe that that's actually what helped me get this role because it was on an education team and I was going to be working with people who were education people. And, and this is just, you know, we talked about it earlier, but this is also just something I recommend to any other designers that are coming from a different industry is you can apply that to anything. If you were um, a nurse, like look for, you know, 
like medical technology companies or hospitals or something, you know, they love using that experience and you can connect with your hiring managers and your managers and the people who are in the interviews over some kind of, you know, shared belief. Um, so I really do think that that's, I mean, I, I'm not, it's not, it's not unexpected and it's also not surprising. Like I, this is where I was meant to be is in, you know, education and technology. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. I feel like everything just like became this perfect, um, collaboration. Your whole career has led you to this place. That's so awesome. So what, what do you love the most about working, um, at Salesforce as this UI UX lead designer? I, so sales, I would just say Salesforce is a great company to work for. Um, they've got, you know, a lot of really, like, they're pretty good about being, um, you know, uh, work-life balance and flexibility. You know, I feel like everyone does remote. So that's, you know, also what they do. So I do love working for Salesforce, but I really, really, like I said, I, I really do like working um, in this education piece. Um, and there's a lot of resources in Salesforce for designers. Um, something that I did not know coming into the company, but I figured it out is there's actually like a whole program set up for UX designers and they have company um, like uh, set up uh, like they call them like, you know, grow and learn or something like that, where you can hop in on these calls weekly to expand your skill set. Um, they support getting new like designer certifications. Um, there's like a whole, you know, resource hub, there's Slack channels. It's really great working for um, and I would I would guess that it's the same for a lot of big tech companies. It's great working for a company that really values uh, UX uh, design and also UX, like both, um, not separating them either, you know, putting them together. And um, that's been very, very cool. You know, I've, I've heard some people say, you know, oh, how do you explain the need for UX design? How do you show people your, uh, you know, that it's worth, investing in, I guess. And that's just something I've never had to do at Salesforce. Like they, they want me in all the conversations. They really value what I'm doing. And that's really cool. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's like, that's like the ideal scenario. You're in a company that values design. They're giving you so many resources, so many opportunities to continue to grow within the company and just grow your skill set. That's like, that's amazing. And I love that you found that in that Salesforce is that company. Um, cause I think that's super awesome. Um, I think one of the, the last kind of questions I have for you is you come from this freelance background. You also come from, you did some work with the design project and you worked in the startup space. What is that difference between working with startups versus working in more of this big corporate, um, Salesforce type of company? Yeah. So one of the things that I definitely noticed is that things are slower, um, slower and a lot more steps to get where you need to go. It's kind of like in a startup, um, or, you know, at a design agency, you're really in control of the whole project and process. And if you're not in control, if there's another stakeholder, it's maybe like, one, you know, 
CEO or one, you know, product owner or one design manager, and you just know who to go to. Like you always know that's my person for this. And we can all kind of get in the meeting together. We can talk it out. I can reach that person really quick, but there's times, especially in the beginning uh, of, of the role where I'll be like, okay, I want to make this change. I want to do something. And then it's like, who do I ask? Who do I talk to? How do I get there? And then you kind of take small steps. You're like, okay, well, let me reach out to this person that I was introduced to last week. Okay. That's not the right person. They refer me to another person. And it's like you, and I, I, this is what I, what I said when I first started working there was I felt like I was like in a, um, like a treasure hunt, like collecting little jewels of information. And I would be like, okay, like, you know, oh, I got one. Like, oh yeah, like, that's what I was looking for. I got it. Now I have to like sort through the jungle to like get my next little jewel. And like, that's really how I felt. Oh my God, that's amazing. It's like you get like a ding, ding, ding. You found the right person. Yeah. Or like you, you like, uh, got the right permission to edit. You know, there's always like all these like, you know, access, you know, permissions. And there was like a thousand different, um, you know, I don't know, like software things you had to sign up for, you know, like five different, you know, Google Docs and all these different things that I have to get access to all these things. And it's just like, and then you kind of request access or reach out and then, you know, you have to wait. So then you're like, all right, let me go work on something else. And then that something else has like, okay, well that needs approval. So then you're like, okay, (laughs) so it's kind of, uh, that's a big change. And I wouldn't necessarily, it wasn't a bad thing for me. It just, it definitely, you, you just have to kind of get, get used to that, that there's going to always be something else you have to figure out. And it's not so quick to get that answer. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I like how you you phrased it. And I think, I also think from my experience way back in the day when I worked for corporate is it's very much, um, things do move slower and it's like you have more time to focus. So like you get to really spend the time to make sure that what you're building is validated and that you're going through every step and that you can check it off and you can feel really confident versus my experience with startups, it's like, hey, let's just throw something out there and see if it works and we'll fix it um, once we get feedback from users that are using it. What, what do you yeah, think about so that? Yeah, so that's actually so true. Um, working in, yeah, like contractor freelance or on small projects or products even at a time, you know, sometimes like with the design project, we were working with one product for, you know, several months at a time um, versus working on something for years. Um, you know, you really do get a lot more time instead of, you know, this very like fast paced, like, all right, we're going to get, you know, a few things, uh, you know, done by this Friday. And like you said, let's just see if it works. And I really do hope, I really do hope that every design I've ever given a startup, they actually do like validate it and test it afterwards. But sometimes I'm not there to do that versus in, you know, this, uh, full-time role, I can be like, Hey everyone, like we're launching on this date and four weeks later I'm checking in and, you know, I can take, and also maybe this is also a lead thing too, like a lead role to thing where I'm saying like, I'm like, we're not stopping at launch. Like we're going to look beyond and validate. And I want this to be on the roadmap that there's like a time for changes if need be. Um, So yeah, yeah, that is a difference between the two. Yeah, no, that was great. That was great. Um, Okay, so I think we've come to the end. This was great. I have one question, final question is like, where do you see yourself going in the next three to five years? What's, what's your 
your ideal future in design look like? Yeah, it's funny. So I like recently had this like, I was like, ooh, should I go work at a start? And like, I wonder if I'm just going to be like every five years being back and forth or something. Um, but I really do. I, so far, like all, all is well in, you know, big, big company land. I, I do like it. Um, I am looking forward to trying to be, I, I think I'm, you know, at this stage, some people will say, do you want to become a people manager or do you want to continue being um, an IC? And I've, I've thought about it and I think I want to keep the IC route. Um, you just get, you get to get really like focused in your, your craft and get really good at what you're doing. And the other thing about being in a larger company is there's still quite a bit of opportunities for growth without being a people manager. Um, so, you know, those titles are things like principal, um, principal designer. I think that's what Salesforce uses. And then I think you can actually become like VP without this. I actually, I don't know if you can be VP without managing people, but it's, you know, either way you can still continue um, growing as an individual contributor. And um, so far I, I like it. I like not having to be, you know, answering other people all the time. I really get to just focus on my work. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick it out and hopefully, hopefully become a principal one day. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. You know, everyone thinks like, Oh, the next step is like in your careers, like you have to manage people. And that's not true. And I think there is that subset of like, Oh, designers go to manage and designers go to really like focus on their craft. And I love that you brought that up as that last point is because I think that's so true. I think there's so much value and continuing to learn, continue to focus and like really becoming an expert in what you do. And I like, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for that principal role and potentially working at a startup again. And I'm excited to follow along your journey. And I'm so happy that you are so excited about where you are right now and you're really enjoying um, your career. So thank you so much. Laura, it was so great to catch up and to hear your story again. And I hope it's inspiring to listeners out there who are trying to figure out what they want to do, career switchers, or people that are just designers that are just working their way up and trying to decide between startups and larger companies and all of the things, freelance. So you've, you've done everything. You've literally gone through all of I, I know. I feel like I have like taken, taken a piece of, of each, of each of those and, and tried them all out. But um, it was great being on the, on the podcast with you today. And I love hearing what the design project is doing always. And we'll keep following you guys too. <laughs>